Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Thursday, August the 13th on the Mike Abadir Show. Gino Bacola here alongside Mike Abadir. And Mike, there is a ton going on in the world of sports right now. As we're recording this, teams on the the second to last day of the NBA restart in the bubble. They're battling for the final playoff spot. Portland will see if they can get in with a win later on tonight. And then there'll, there'll be a little play-in. We have huge news in the world of college football. At conference by conference news. Everybody seems to be sort of doing their own thing. Um, the NFL crazy we're only about a month away as, as things start to ramp up we had some hard knocks the other day whenever that starts it's kind of like the unofficial um signal that the nfl is coming we basically had the the last big prep race for the kentucky derby we're less than a month away from the the derby the first saturday in september i mean we've got baseball we're already 30 percent of the way through the baseball season now it is there's a ton going on and a ton to talk about this week yeah it's really time to be able to talk about who are the contenders, who are the pretenders. I think at the top tier in baseball, we kind of have a pretty good sense as to, you know, who are the top-notch teams. We also have a sense of which teams that we can eliminate from contention most likely. The, The amazing thing is that middle tier is a lot bigger than I thought it was. Teams like the Baltimore Orioles and Florida the, the Marlins have tigers. way exceeded expectations. The, the Detroit tigers. Tigers. I mean, we thought yeah. we thought some of those teams might win th- t- like the low teens games through the whole season. Yes. And they're already seven, eight, nine wins, some of them, which is very impressive. And um and even the the really I gotta be honest, nobody has looked Super, even the Dodgers and the Yankees, who came into this year as the heavy, heavy favorites, they haven't looked unbeatable. As a Dodger fan, they've actually—it's—it's it's weird. They've actually not played well. Their their numbers are sort of deceiving as a as a collective, because individually, when you break them down, their lineup. There's been a lot of guys struggling, but they're still pitching really, really well. Uh, the A's have looked pretty good. The Astros have struggled, but they're just nobody's. You know, the Cubs have. They've stacked up wins, but we don't really believe the Cubs. And when you dig into their numbers a little bit, it feels like that's sort of they're sort of going to come back to life. It's what a lot of the experts were predicting with this season. There's going to be a lot of parity and not a lot of difference between the best and the worst. Yeah, I agree with that. To me, I think visually and from the games I've watched, I would probably put the A's and the Yankees as the two teams that have been the most impressive you know the Dodgers are uh, are are I think the probably the best team in baseball. But look, they've gone up against a really good Padres team. It's a much Pod- better Padres team than people realize Absolutely. on a and nationwide even, basis. Even the Giants, we you know what that we the Giants are not a good team, but there are a couple quality players on the Giants. They, the Yastrzemski, um, the other kid that leads the league in hitting. There's three or four young kids. Solano, the Giants, yeah, man. Solano, that guy's raking. Mm-hmm, they, that the Giants have kind of just said, hey, we're going to go all in. And I will say, you know, the Giants pitchers, they pitched well in a lot of the games they played against the Dodgers. So it's just been a – it's hard. And by the way, didn't they look really smart not re-signing Madison Bumgarner? I know they weren't going to anyways, but I mean, that guy's just looked Awful. He's looked Same horrible. with Robbie Ray on Arizona too. I mean, those two guys are supposed to anchor that rotation. So many pitchers People stunk. Don't have the velocity. 
you know, they've it's it's we're we're seeing that's the one thing about baseball that is is different than than basketball, right? Basketball, you could have a shorter year. Even football, I think if you football is a week to week thing, right? Everything, the preparation that you do all week long is going to be the same each and every week, you know, how, how it goes about it with baseball. It's a daily, daily thing. So you have so much routine in the day, every single day, the way you, 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 the way you build up, the way you ramp up. And so many of these pitchers, they built themselves up and then they stopped and then they didn't know what to do. They were just kind of hanging around. Do we want to throw a bunch of pitches that might just be wasting pitches? We going to, we got to kind of keep ourselves in shape because we know that the season's in limbo, but we can't be, 100% in shape and ready to go if we're not going to be going tomorrow. It, it was a weird spot for the pitchers in particular. I think they were in a much tougher spot than the hitters, and we've seen some really good pitchers so far struggle and a lot of the velocity down two, three, four, five miles an hour for some pitchers because they haven't been able to quite build themselves up. They're trying to go from, you know, 30 to 100 real quick instead of that slow zero to 100, and it's not it's not been the best for for a lot of them. Yeah, and in fact, uh, league-wide, fastballs are down considerably. So I don't know what that means or why exactly, but fastballs are down. They're going uh, a lot more with you know off-speed type pitches. I don't know if that's kind of saving your arm strength. If I don't know if that's easing into it. I don't want to spend too much time on the St. Louis Cardinals, but what do you do about their pitchers? They have two wins so far. They've they played have- five total games in a league where you have some teams that have played – 19 like the twins and the A's. So I don't know how that's going to, I mean, are you going to do like daily double headers, seven inning double headers? They're scheduled in September at one point to have three double headers in a week. And and so what do you do with your pitching staff? That's just so unfair. You don't, nobody has the kind of enough arms or enough pitching depth to be able to have, you know, basically two bullpens those days you're not going to be able to have guys pitching on the front and back half of double headers and then what about starters you need that week you need like seven or eight starters how many teams have that luxury of having that many quality arms that they can use they're just in a really bad spot and baseball has already discussed mike the i think what's going to be a very high likelihood of playing the playoffs in world series in a sort of bubble situation not the bubble like the nba is doing in in orlando but more like what the nhl has been doing in canada where they have a couple different hubs what they could do is it would be out here in southern california that would be the best way to do it you would use dodger stadium angel stadium and you would use the padre stadium and you'd have three stadiums within a two-hour radius of each other you would have teams that would be able to be you know, playing at those different stadiums throughout the day, not have to travel back and forth. And then you could you can um, whittle it down to just playing the finals at Anaheim or Dodger Stadium, wherever, wherever it is. I think that's going to be a good idea because what would happen in a playoff series if a team had a positive test like the Marlins or like the, the Cardinals have had? You couldn't just postpone for a week and then have three double headers in the playoffs. It yeah, wouldn't work that do, way. You can't do makeup games in the playoffs. And you also, because there's the double type of uh, concern with weather during that time of year, I think it alleviates a lot. It makes the most sense to be in Southern California. You're going to get good weather. I can't even remember the last time it rained here in October or November. Uh, So, you know, you're not going to have any weather postponements, weather delays. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of hope that, uh, you know, you don't have any teams that get wiped out. So you want to mitigate that, manage that 
and minimize that possibility. I think it's a wonderful idea yeah. to uh, do the bubble, you know, concept for baseball, just because it's just it's just safe. It's a safe way of going about it. And uh, hey, look, I know baseball got a lot of heat, especially early on during this process. But let's face it, man, they've actually done pretty well, relatively speaking. I mean, outside of two teams, I think that and reacting had guys and responding act selfishly. Yes. Right, where guys really jeopardize their teammates and jeopardize the sport by going to casinos and strip clubs. And as much of those two teams, I think they've done a pretty good job. They haven't had many positives. As much as I give Manfred crap, and I don't like him in a lot of the decisions he make, I will put some of the blame for that first Marlins game on him. But I don't, I can't put, for playing the game. For, for when the decision was up in the air, should sure. we play this game or not, that one Sunday and they played the game and then there were there was more of an outbreak, that I'll put a little blame on him and some of the Orleans organizations and the umpires that day and whoever decided. But I can't we can't blame him when they have rules in place and the players just ignore them. There's nothing you exactly. can do about it. When, when the they go out is to the clubs Whitney. and whatever, you just it's not his it's, it's not the people who put the rules in in place. Exactly right. And uh, what I'll say before we move on here is Baseball re- reacted appropriately yep. given the circumstances. They they were able to make the adjustments. They got the message out loud and clear. And I think that they're going to have, I'm not going to say they're going to have smooth sailing the rest of the way out, but I think they know now what to do and what not to do. So knock on wood, let's just hope that they're able to get to the finish line, get to the bubble, finish out the season. And, you know, let's just, Start over again and hope that once spring training rolls around that we're, uh, you know, a little bit back to normal and have this uh, COVID in hand. Uh, Gino, we're going to get back to baseball in a little bit because we're going to be talking Orioles baseball with our first guest, Matt Corey. Uh, I want to talk a little bit of college football, but before we even do that, I do want to make a very quick tribute to uh, someone very special to, uh, to me uh, who just passed away, obviously, uh, Cheryl Bernard, the love of my life, my girlfriend, her father just passed away. Uh, Mr. Ronald Bernard was a great father, a wonderful grandfather, a wonderful husband, just an overall great human being. And there's a uh, sports kind of a uh, transition to this, or I should say connection to this, in that he was really a huge sports fan and especially a huge Dodger fan. I viewed him as a historian of the game. Uh, he's been a Dodger fan since the days of the Brooklyn Dodgers and followed them in their move to Los Angeles and was at Dodger Stadium, listened on the radio, watched on TV, did it all in the pre-digital age of social media and really entrenched himself in the, what was happening, both uh, socially with social activism uh, in the early days, and he was a little bit involved politically here in Los Angeles, Gino. Uh, but he had some really special stories. I would love when we would get together for holidays and hearing him talk about Sandy Koufax, watching him in person, being there during the shutout streak that Koufax put together, knowing which seat, the exact seat he was in at Dodger Stadium, and describing the atmosphere there like no other. It was almost Peter Gammons-ish or some of these legendary Hall of Fame sports writers and how he would describe it. So he'll be missed. Uh, you know, uh, I, I love him, and uh, I know we'll see him on the other side. 
so thank you for giving me that opportunity, Gino, just to be able to talk sports relative to a huge sports fan and a huge Dodger fan. You would have really liked him, Gino. You would have really liked talking Dodger baseball with him. Oh, because, sounds like a cool guy, yeah, man. He would have he would have been able to lay it all out. Duke Snyder all the way through, you know, the Tommy Lasorda years. And, uh, you know, there was there was only an ounce of me that did not want the Red Sox to win. And that would have been for him to have one more chance to see the Dodgers win. I'm still a Red Sox fan through and through. But if they had lost to the Dodgers, that would have been okay. And for you, Gino, also. <laughs> but <laughs> hey, we, we have a special, uh, a couple of requests to talk about the college football landscape. I know you're a huge college yeah, football yeah. fan, an SC fan. And let me tell you really quickly about a similarity to horse racing. There is no centralized leadership with college football. And the NCAA has absolutely lost a grip on this situation, man. I mean, it's insane. This is a fiasco. It is, is. It is every man, every organization for themselves. We had this week alone the of the five major conferences. We had two of them say our doctors and our medical personnel say we shouldn't play. That's we the had Big Ten and the Pac-12. And the Pac-12. And I think some of that has to do with the fact that both of those conferences have ha- have players that are suffering from what are what are called covid related long term issues heart issues neurological issues these are some players who had had the coronavirus earlier a couple months ago and they've still had issues so they're worried now about if this if this was something to catch on even with these young people who are supposed to be able to get over it what something that you and I have talked about what are the long term effects especially for someone who's an who's playing these high level athletics it when the difference between making it and not making it is so small is such a small small margin you have to be at your absolute best so that's what's scary for the Pac-12 and for the Big 10 the SEC the ACC they were basically all along saying we're going to play the Big 12 had been going back and forth and they just decided they're going to go ahead and try to play so we could have a situation where we have like 60 percent is of like big big conferences playing 40 percent of them not what do you do with the playoff i mean just and just because they've got a schedule out there and they intend to play a, a month from now does that mean they are going to be able to there are so many things that go into this we've got coaches who are sending out tweets against their what their organization want the president and their ad's and their chancellors decided players going against what the coaches or the play it p- tweeting things out. It's been like a wild, wild West over the last week, honestly. Yeah, no doubt. There's also one more conference, which is not uh, of the same caliber power five that you're talking about the AAC, which is the American athletic conference. They have Cincinnati and Tulsa, Houston, Memphis, et cetera, SMU, USF, UCF. Uh, they are going to be playing as well. I think the Sun Belt's uh, going to play. The Mac is not. The Mac has canceled all their games. So it's the Mountain the, West is canceled. Ivy they League may canceled play in the pretty early on. Yeah. Yep. So it's just, I mean, it's literally one by one. And that is, isn't it just like a microcosm of the world right now, how divided and split we are? It's it like really is. half of the people think that what they are, the information that they have is 100% accurate and true, and this is what we believe in. And the other half are getting a totally different set of information, and they believe in that. And we're not talking about like kooks and people like off the streets here. We're talking about scientists, doctors, medical professionals who are all studying and have studied all of this stuff for years. It's so crazy how we could have so many 
like legitimately smart people divided on something like this. Yeah, and you have a lot of coaches also who are coming out and saying, you know, under my supervision, these mm-hmm. guys are in better mm-hmm. shape than if they are outside. You know, I think there's a case that could be made for that. Uh, for perhaps. Some, right? Yeah, for, I, think I think for some. For the Alabamas of the world, probably the USC's of the world, they're more like pro- professional organizations, you know, the way that those colleges are run. But some of the smaller schools – they do they have the money to do the testing that's needed for something like that you know and i i don't know i think it it's man it's it, it's crazy right now it really well, it's is. also crazy too when you have like you mentioned with the the head coaches and stuff i mean you have like head coach uh scott frost from nebraska, nebraska. you know this guy he you know he won the 97 championship with nebraska so he's nebraska through and through he's kind of a whiner though because if you remember in what three years ago in 2017 when us ucf went 13 and 0 he's still claiming that they won the championship that year but look in the last couple of years they've got four and eight they've got five and seven this was supposed to be their year even though let's face it nebraska hasn't been relevant in about 20 years nationally but made sure. a lot of yeah. noise oh, yeah. uh, but then today the uh, uh nebraska's president ted carter came in and was like nope we ain't doing it and the coach kind of fell in line pretty quickly and i get it man that's $52 million in guaranteed TV revenue that pretty much they're not going to be able to get because they don't conduct this season. That's going to affect recruiting. It's going to affect the future. I, I know, obviously, you got to balance it out with like lives. And when you do that, it, doesn't, it seems like a no-brainer. Uh, same thing over at Ohio State. President Gene Smith had to kind of squash uh, Ryan Day, head coach of Ohio State, when uh, he made similar comments about looking to play outside their schedule, outside their conference. But the reality of it is you're going to have national media that's going to crush on you. So you had Paul Feinbaum and Reese Davis and Michael Wilbon come in and be like, this is ridiculous. And they made those schools look really bad, which made those presidents come back and say, hey, can't do this. Don't have that possibility. Now, a couple other quick things. And then I know we got to go to a commercial break. The college football playoff. So they've kept all the reps intact for that committee. This year is supposed to be the first year season for uh, Iowa's athletic director, Gary Barta, to be the committee chair. He's going to stay on board, but his conference isn't. So it's going to be very interesting to see kind of how this plays out with the college football playoff. Um, Moving forward, when you have members on the committee that aren't even (laughs) involved with the, the games themselves. So a quick rundown on just the AP pool. Before we take this away, Gino, Clemson's number one. This is the first AP pool that just came out. Clemson one, Alabama two, Georgia three. No surprise there. Then you got Oklahoma, LSU, Florida, and Notre Dame, who's going to be playing in the ACC, which, as you established, ACC is going to be conducting football. They're at least going to try it. So that's uh, that's the top seven in the AP pool right now. Fascinating stuff, man, but it's very strange not seeing any Pac-12 schools or any Big Ten schools represented there. Yeah, it's I, – I, I'm – it's, I'm taking this wait and see. I think, and, and I know we're going to get to a break in just a second and bring on our first guest. I'm much more confident in the NFL's attempt from a professional level with athletes that are getting paid. I think they have more checks and balances. This is It's more of a job instead of having to, to be a student athlete type of thing. I think there's more... I, I feel more confident about the NFL at least getting started and getting a few games underway than I do about maybe some of these colleges. But I mean, we'll see. It's it's crazy because it's it's just a month, Mike. We're not talking about six months down the line for now. We're talking about decisions that were made that are going to be now big decisions in the next few weeks to a, a month. There's supposed to be football going on. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Did you see, by the way, uh, Pete Carroll laid down the hammer? 
one of his one of his players uh, <laughs> he had a little booty call action, <laughs> and uh, when he went to report to work today, he was told that you are released, buddy. You want to get that? Uh, I don't even know what uh, word I could use, but you guys all know out there what word I'm thinking. Then uh, you're not going to be a part of this team. And I know that the NBA actually had to put out some type of um, rule, I guess you could say. Gino, you probably are more familiar with it than I am, which basically states that you have to have some type of relationship and prove that you had a pre-existing relationship prior to all this. In other words, a girlfriend, a fiancé, a wife, long-term relationship. You can't just you know, go on to your uh, dating app or you know, booty call app and bring somebody into the bubble in that situation. So a lot of interesting stuff, obviously encroaches on personal freedoms. There's a justification to do so. We'll see which guys uh, are more, most selfish or team players, regardless of how you feel about this, Gino, right? I mean, even if you're, yep. you, you don't think that this is, you know, as big of an issue as the media has made it seem, regardless, the rules in place and you don't want to jeopardize your, your teammates and the seasons at large. So we're way against the break here so let's take our first one we'll come back we'll pick up on some baseball and talk with our first guest matthew Corey. stay with us we'll be right back Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, segment two, and we have our first guest. And, uh, and Mike, uh, I think our guest you can introduce in a minute covers... The uh, talks a lot of Orioles and talks some Red Sox. And if you would have predicted before the season that one of the teams was nine and seven and the other was six and twelve right now, I think they would probably be flip flopped. Yeah, I mean, look, man, these two teams are going in completely different directions right now. And uh, yeah, if if I had to put a wager on it, 
it would have been a substantial one, and I would have felt that I'd be cashing after 20 games as to who would have the better <laughs> record between the Red Sox and the Baltimore Orioles. And with that said, yeah, we're going to bring on Matt Corey, who's been with us several times over the years, previously with The Athletic. He's now a uh, – and he covered the Red Sox at that time. He still covers the Red Sox and podcasts about them with sports and life, Red Sox Coast to Coast. Actually, let me rephrase that. Red Sox Coast to Coast is the podcast. He's an insider for the Baltimore Orioles with the Baltimore Sports and Life. Matt, how is it going, my friend? Hey, Matt. Uh, hey, guys. Doing good. How are you all? Doing pretty well, man. And you have to be pleased when you're covering a team that is exceeding expectations. How's it been covering the Orioles so far? You know, it's been fun. I mean, I, I'll be honest, and I'm probably not alone in this. I, I sort of expected this season to be a complete disaster, and I wrote, you know, at least on the field. Um, and so I wrote a, a number of pieces before the season started about, you know, what what success would look like for, for the Orioles this year. Um, and, and most of it, you know, sort of focused on, uh, you know, prospect development, figuring out what if any long-term pieces are on the major league roster, um, you know, potentially developing some trade pieces that they can, you know, use to acquire long-term pieces. But I, I didn't, you know, I didn't see this coming. Uh, and I, I should, you didn't ask, but I'll say this real quick. The other thing about, you know, we, it's a 60 game season, so it's a, it's a small sample size anyway. Um, but, you know, they've played, 16 games, I think, and they're they're playing their 17th now, and they played really well. I don't think anyone expected this, but uh, but it's still a pretty small sample size, so um, nothing is set in stone. This is not a playoff team yet, um, you know. But what what's nice is that the the when you look at and you see what they've been doing and you and you read into the numbers it doesn't feel like it's a hollow start now again things can change quite a bit like you said small sample size they could play very well here and then have a, a bad streak coming up but when you just look at some of the raw numbers this team is second in the league in batting average they're second in slugging all of the offensive categories they're in the top half which are really really good so just on the offensive side alone they're all pretty steady. They don't seem to be hollow victories so far. No, I think that's exactly correct, and and it sort of carries through other parts of the team. Also, uh, you know, as far as hitting goes, I mean, they they are, you know, hitting a. a, a they had some kind of kind of looked fluky last year. Uh, performances from guys like Renato Nunez, mm-hmm. um, Anthony Santander, um, and. You know, those guys have continued to hit for the most part. Um, certainly, you know, th- this team hits for a lot of power. They're not as uh, on-base heavy as maybe you'd like ultimately. But, but uh, you know, they're, they've continued. Those guys have continued to hit. Hanser Alberto is, is crushing the ball. Um, you know, uh, bizarrely, Jose Iglesias is hitting, uh, I think, 370. Um, so, you know, I'm <laughs> But but yes, they are hitting the ball, and they I think underratedly are fielding the ball too. Um, this is a or has been so far a, a, a pretty competent, you know, above average defensive team. And um, I don't know if you actually want to talk about the Red Sox or not, but I think that's an underrated part of of why the Red Sox have been so bad. Um, it's been pitching, but it's also been turning batter balls into outs, and that's something the Orioles have excelled at, and the Red Sox have failed at. And then, you know, even on the opposite side of the ball, while we're still talking Orioles, you look at the the pitching where you might have thought, okay, there's not a ton of depth here. 
and maybe they're going to struggle. But they haven't been bad. They've been on the less on the lower side on the slightly below average but when you're in the division that they're in and you play against some of the teams that they're going to be playing against often that's fine in order to be competitive they really just have to sort of follow the template that they're playing that they've got right now is hit the ball really well hit for power um field the ball really well and just give enough pitching to stay competitive that doesn't seem like it's completely far-fetched in a small 60 game sample size that we've already had what 15 to 20 games for most of these teams yeah no i think that's exactly right um and you know underratedly the orioles have actually been an above average pitching team too (laughs) yeah and and it's not uh it's not or at least the numbers don't don't seem to uh point to any flukiness i mean Hmm. you know their era is uh what is it 440 something and their fip is just a hair under that um, you know they're not they're not uh, suppressing home runs at an in, insane rate or anything like that. That you know Babbitt is is normal. They're striking guys out, not walking too many. Uh, you know opposing hitters. So it's uh, it's been an impressive you know quarter season so far. And uh, I never thought I would say this, but I'm I'm kind of excited to see where this goes. Yeah, I mean to me. Alex Cobb and Tommy Malone have really, really delivered. And if they keep pitching this way, I think they can at least make make it interesting for the eighth and final playoff spot. But why stop there? I mean, if these guys keep – to me, Alex Cobb could, you know, is pitching like a number one outside of – he kind of walks a lot of guys. Um, I know you said that overall as a team their, their walk numbers are low, which is, which is very true. I think that uh, – Cobb could maybe do a little bit of a better job with uh, some of the control yeah. issues. Uh, Tommy Malone, though, I mean, the guy's got, what, a 10.3 strikeouts per nine. Uh, I think uh, Miguel Castro out of the bullpen is like 14 Ks in nine innings pitch. So that's an easy one for me to calculate right there per nine. Um, <laughs> you know, So when you have that kind of strikeout ratio and you're like you said, you're not walking a lot of guys, I think you could kind of stay in contention. But as Gino alluded to, really the, the story so far has been the hitting. Just maybe for a minute, for people that don't know about their second baseman, Alberto, you know, Nunez, who y- you mentioned, you know, is proving that he's not a fluke. Who are, who are some of the names that we could kind of watch out for, look out for, who's likely to sustain it? Because uh, it sure ain't Chris Davis, who kind of flamed out about three, four years ago anyways. Yeah, I mean, Davis is still there, and that's, that's a, you know, what I sort of assumed would be one in many, uh, you know, sad stories. Um, but, you know, it's, it's funny if you had, uh, you know, scripted this, I guess this is kind of how this would go minus the Chris Davis situation. You know, Hanser Alberto is, um, I mean, it, it's sort of a similar story for a lot of these guys, right? You know, sort of rule five guys or, or uh, you know, cast off from other teams, um, you know, Renato Nunez, Hanser Alberto, uh, Pedro Severino, actually, uh, I think former Nationals prospect, mm-hmm. um, and and all these guys are are hitting 300 with good on base percentages, mostly because of the hitting 300 thing, um, and and you know hitting for power, doubles and home runs. Um, Anthony Santander, uh, I still don't know if it's Santander or Santander, so apologies uh, about that. But um, I mean, he's he's almost all power, but. He's a lot of power. He's got four homers and a number of doubles. Um, you know, uh, Chance Cisco is actually uh, one of the few guys on this team who's actually walking, and he's hitting 381 anyway. He's a, he's a catcher. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, the whole lineup is is functioning at an above average rate for the most part. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a pleasure, a pleasure to watch, especially, um, you know, in, in light of the other team that, uh, I fear we may be asking about shortly. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, unless Gino had more about the Orioles, I was going to flip it to the, the other side of the equation here, no, which is the yeah. last place Red Sox have uh, won only six out of their first 18 ball games. And uh, I believe today they're giving up a ton of runs. Looks like a couple of touchdowns and uh, two extra points made. 16 <laughs> runs oh to the Tampa Rays. And uh, we've still got a, a couple of uh, at-bats left for the Rays. Um, yeah. You know, it's, but yeah. here's the thing. To me, it's not just the terrible pitching. I mean, they've got a lot of guys who are great hitters who just aren't hitting. Their fielding hasn't been that great. Ben Attendee hasn't even showed up. I almost feel like they put him on the IL just to, as a sympathy move to give him an excuse or something. I mean, where do you even start with this team's woes? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. I, you know, in fairness to them, I guess, you know, they, they you know, were planning on, uh, you know, a rotation that included Chris Sale and Eduardo Rodriguez. And, you know, Sale went down with Tommy John surgery and Rodriguez, uh, you know, had COVID-19 and, and has suffered some, some complications, um, you know, from having that. So he's not, neither of them are available to pitch this year. And that's a, that's kind of a tough blow really for any team to lose their top two guys. But I, I think it is sort of an, an underrated, uh, you know, point that you just made, which is, um, you know, that they're really not hitting, um, the you know the the big the big players on this team, um, you know, just haven't been hitting. You know, JD JD Martinez just started hitting recently, um, but they've been getting a lot of their uh, you know actual hitting from from Xander Bogarts, uh, Mitch Moreland when he's been healthy, and bizarrely Kevin Pillar. Um, you know, Alex Verdugo hasn't hit that much. Michael Chavis hasn't hit that much. Um, Devers has struggled. It, yeah, it, Devers has been awful, and and as you pointed out. Um, uh, uh, ben Intendi has, has been even worse somehow. I, I think he's hitting below a hundred. Uh, I mean, he, he cannot square up anything. You can throw him a fastball right over the middle of the plate and he cannot hit it. He's in such a bad way. So I don't know if it's, uh, you know, if it's a physical thing or, uh, you know, like, like an injury injury related thing or not. Um, but I suspect that, you know, putting him on the IL is is maybe not the worst thing that could happen to him, provided it's not a you know a long term physical you know disability. Um, so I, you know, I think there's more that this team has to give just just because these guys who have track records of success, you know, as hitters in the majors, um, you know, we know Raphael Devers and JD Martinez can hit like they're not now, but we know they can. So I would expect that they will, but uh, the Pitching is not there. It's just it's just brutal. Um, so l- let me know, let me ask I, you then. I, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Please go ahead. No, please go ahead. Oh, I was just I was just gonna say. Let me let me put a square on your shoulders to make a really you know bold prediction. If okay, the Red Sox by the trade deadline are 500, which would mean that they'd have to play really exceptional baseball um, in in right. the few weeks that we've got left. Do they? make a run and do they make a trade for a pitcher? Because the way I'm looking at it right now, the way this season's headed, 
I mean, I think there's a lot of teams who could use Jackie Bradley's glove, uh, including the Colorado Rockies, who uh, Bl- Charlie Blackman, who's hitting like a monster. His fielding has really, really gone downhill, so they could probably use a center fielder there. And I'm guessing Jackie Bradley would, uh, you know, become Ted Williams in, in Coors Field. Uh, but also J.D. <laughs> Martinez, because he carries a, a b- pretty big price tag, too. You know, so what are your thoughts about you know, unloading versus reloading? It's it's a good question. I I don't know what the current front office is thinking. Um, I can tell you this. I think even if they're at five hundred, I wouldn't expect them to add anything. Um, so, you know, considering you know what we both just agreed on, which is it's pretty unlikely that they'll even reach that point. Uh, it, it wouldn't shock me if they did unload some guys who they you know aren't planning on having long term. Um, you know, I, if, if Jaron Duran is, is ready next year, uh, you know, maybe he's the center fielder next season. And, and you know, if, if that's the case, then, then it makes sense to deal a guy like Bradley, who's in the you know, last year of his team control. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to take on J.D. Martinez's contract, especially considering, you know, he could opt out, but he might not. So you don't necessarily know what you're getting. You, you're either getting him for a couple weeks or you're getting him for a couple years. Um, but considering where the Red Sox are in the standings and, and, you know, I think it's them and the Pittsburgh pirates, uh, in terms of like worst record in baseball at this point, uh, it, it's going to be a seller's market, I would imagine. So there may actually be some deals to be made. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, uh, the new front office Heim Bloom was, was out there looking to make some, some trades, um, especially considering that, what they have now doesn't appear to be working. I mean, when we look around through baseball in 30% of the season for most of these teams, except for, uh, you know, the St. Louis and the Marlins who are, who are trying to, trying to catch back up. I I'd have to think the two teams that we're talking about today are probably on the short list of biggest surprises. Now the Red Sox being, being bad, isn't that much of a surprise, but I think the fact that they're bad and they're not hitting, is, is a surprise to me. Yeah. I could have compl- if you would have told me that they have they score a bunch of runs, but they're losing games like seven, eight seven all the time, and they just can't get anybody out. I would have said sure. But if you would have told me that Benatendi and Devers and Martinez and Bradley and there were five or six really solid hitters all struggling at the same time, I wouldn't have believed it. And so I think these two teams are definitely two of the the bigger surprises. And a couple of the things that Mike and I were talking about earlier in the show were. The, the teams that were supposed to be really bad are winning more caves than we thought. Even the Tigers, you know, you look into the Central, the Tigers, the, Roy- the Royals are, are 8 and 11, but they've won eight games. The Mariners are 7 and 13, but they still have won probably more games than we were expecting them to win at this point. So we are sort of seeing that season where there is going to be uh, a, a lot of teams. The difference between the top and the bottom isn't going to be all that much. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really true. Uh, you know, there's only a couple teams that that are uh, you know really you know tire fires, and, and I think like if you looked at what Fangraphs had projected for uh, you know the beginning of the season, I think the Orioles were projected to have the worst record in baseball. This is not to, mm-hmm. to beat on Fangraphs. Like I, I think this is a pretty common thought process. Like, and and they have you know good math to pack it up. It's it's just it's a weird season. You know, it's just a weird season, and and for a lot of reasons. And you know, the Orioles are are you know, like we discussed, they're actually good, which is 
bizarre. Uh, but so are the Marlins. Like, what? Well, I don't. I don't honestly know what's going on there at all. Um, you know, the the Phillies are bad. I can't. I mean, say and I the Marlins have used like that. twenty plus pitchers too. They, what they've been doing is pretty absurd because of all the COVID stuff they've had. They've had to use more right. players on their roster than any team in baseball. Well, they've just been picking people up off of waivers. Yeah, like they literally <laughs> had half a roster, and they're like essentially had a like a casting call. Uh, does anyone around here know how to play baseball? If so, report to the first place team in Miami. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Totally totally crazy. Yeah. I'll say this, and then we got to get to our uh, commercial break here, Matt. Two things, two really quick things, which are, uh, as a Red Sox fan, you know, you at least really hope that Verdugo was just going to kick some major butt, right? That would have at least made us feel a little bit better as Red Sox. He's kind of starting to come around a little bit. I think his best hitting has come in the last uh, seven days or so. So, uh, you know, it's still early from an individual standpoint for him to, you know, he's really going to need to put together a good season to to help us kind of alleviate the pain a little bit. Uh, leave us with this thought, Matt. Who finishes with a better record, Baltimore or Boston? Oh, man. Um uh... It wouldn't shock me if the Orioles fell off a little bit, but as we just discussed, I mean, I think they're actually is you know they're a legit team. I you know they're not great, but they're uh, I think they're fine. I think they're average or slightly above, which is really weird. And if you look at the Red Sox pitching staff, it's I just don't see any reason to to expect that that they'll be able to keep their team in games. You know, three out of five. Uh, days and so am I hearing Baltimore to have a winning record there? Oh yeah, am well, I hearing yeah. Baltimore? That's kind of what it sounds like, man. Yeah, I think so. I think that oh. I'll, uh, I'll put my money on Baltimore. Oh, that's so painful. That's so painful. But I, I, I hate to say it, I think you might be right, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, have thank you so much, man. You guys can tell me how wrong I was. Oh well, no, I, I mean, I hope so. Yeah, I would. I'm, I'm going to be loving it when you're right because Mike's a big Red Sox fan and I'm a big Dodger right. fan. So I'm going to love. It. I mean, I can't get too excited. The Dodgers haven't played great, but they're they're playing. They're winning games and not playing great, and they're not losing games and not playing great like the like the Red Sox are. So. And them not playing great just means maybe they don't get like home field advantage or something. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's uh, a you different know, perspective this year. My how yeah. the tables have turned in just a year or two. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, we, really appreciate the playoffs, you coming so on. That's the only thing you guys need to worry about. It's just mm-hmm. that when yeah. the playoffs show up, the Dodgers will be there, and, and that's, they'll have Mookie Betts in right field, and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. That, that we do know for sure. Matthew, as always, thank you. You always deliver. Thanks, and uh, you know, Hey, look, I hope we uh, have you back on to talk about maybe a clinching playoff spot for one of these teams. And uh, you know, the way it's looking, maybe it's the Orioles, man. Crazier things have happened. Thank you, man. For sure. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Gino, let's take our final commercial break, and uh, we'll uh, wrap up with uh, some thoughts. Maybe I'll talk a little bit of fantasy football. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Closing segment here on the Mike Abadir Show. Big thanks to Matt there talking Red Sox, talking Orioles. And yeah, the, the reason why... I, I think the Orioles are probably playing playing a little a little bit better than they are. But but the thing is, when you look look at the numbers, they're not playing so absurd that it seems like it would be hard to sustain. Everybody's just pretty steady and playing at the the best. Seems like the close to the best version of themselves. Yeah, offensively, uh, like put put it put differently, they're not playing like out of their ass. No, no, and, and that's and that's what's crazy. It's you're not looking and going, oh, they won't be able to sustain what they're doing. They're probably not going to be able to pitch quite as well as they've been pitching. They'll probably blow up a little bit there, a little more in the bullpen, and have some game, especially when you play when the Red Sox in a series with the Red Sox when their bats wake up, or when you got to play the Yankees or a Rays team or Toronto that can hit. You know, they they're going to have some trouble here and there, but it. You don't look past it and go, oh, they got four guys hitting 400. Those guys are all going to stop. It's not like that. You know, it, no. it's not. And, and, and on the opposite end, Boston's going to hit more. But similarly, as Matt was saying, how confident are you in their pitching staff being able to get, like, ever put a win streak together of three or four days where you, where you have to have seven or eight different pitchers all pitch well to start and close games out? Look, the only way that they're winning any kind of kind of uh, consecutive games or, or be able to put together any kind of streak is just you're out slugging your opponents because the pitching just isn't there. And they have some pieces in their bullpen. I mean, Workman's really become arguably one of the, the better, you know, relief pitchers in the American League. I think he's going to be somebody who's going to have to be dealt. I mean, look, relief pitchers have value, but if you could bring – you know, a haul in, not a big one, but just a piece or two. Anything. You got to replenish your minor league system somehow. An and arm. So Give us a starting I'm, arm that's a young middle of yeah. the rotation projected or even a veteran back of the road. Anything that gives you another arm. You you guys just need some some guys that can eat some innings right now for the next couple of years. That can yeah. be. And I kind of have to wonder this. You know, more than even 
trading bets. I think there was always a little bit of a hope amongst fans, maybe even amongst teammates, that he would come back after yes. this season. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of wonder if that took some steam out of the team. It, it uh, felt like the you, fan you lose your MVP, sure right? It you sure lose did. your MVP guy, and uh, you know it's it's deflating. And then you get off to a poor start. I, I think they've kind of mailed it in. Yeah. And I don't say that very often, but I think they've mailed it in. At this point, they probably should just work on individual seasons and doing the best that they can to remain Red Sox. Because, like I said, I think that a few of these guys are going to be moved. I don't see them. I don't see a reason keeping some of these guys. And I I like Jackie Bradley Jr. He's done some big things in Boston. You know, he's been a great hitter at times. He's always been a great fielder. But at this point, I think you're going to have – a better future without him on your team, without Workman on your team, and without J.D. Martinez and Moreland. Get what you can out of those guys while you can. That's my take on it. It's it, yeah, it's it's amazing how things have come in, in just a few years. They're going to be six and thirteen after today. They're going to have one of the worst run differentials in baseball too, and it it just doesn't look all that optimistic. At least this year. And they're going to have to make some moves and, and make a few changes over there for sure. Um, wanted to get some of your thoughts on uh, on what we've seen with uh, with the Astros so far. They're struggling a little bit. We had the incident with Loriano last week, and then uh, Cintron from the, the coach from the uh, the Astros, where you know the, the, he made a, he made seen, a your mama joke. He right? made it exactly, and now isn't it isn't it funny too? And and it's different with the Red Sox. The Red Sox just aren't playing well. I don't think they have nearly like a, a, a negative bad stigma. But with the Astros, four years ago, like 2016-ish, they're this young, up-and-coming team that everybody loves. Everybody wants to see do well because they've struggled for a few years. They lost a ton of games. They've got all these high prospects and high draft picks and really talented players. And then from all the stuff that with the cheating – to even the little things like the Yuli Gurriel racist stuff, the sexual stuff from some of their executives in the clubhouse with Osuna and like celebrating that, to the way that a lot of these players responded after the cheating stuff, and and then to what we've seen with the coach in the dugout the other day, is what a turn in the way this organization is looked at by everyone. Because if you're not an Astros fan, you absolutely loathe this team right now. Are you kind of saying that there's a little bit of natural justice going on? A little bit of Murphy's law? You know, things kind of balancing out like, uh, yeah. you kind of you reap what you sow? I mean, it's, it's, it's what we're finding out, Mike, is that there are, and, and I agree with, you've made this point a few times, and other I've seen other people make it. For some particular players, maybe going up to bat, they don't really even want to be thinking. They just kind of want to react. I can understand. That's how it's a it's a personality trait for some. Sure. I do think for most cases, knowing what the pitch is, being able to decipher the signs is a major advantage for you. And we're finding out that when you don't know what's coming, it's a little bit harder to hit it. And we're seeing them wear that frustration on their sleeves right now. They're in third place in the division. They're four and a half games back. They're two games under 500. And again, their pitching isn't the same pitching they've had the last few years. Their lineup is not hitting the way it is. So you assume they'll be a little bit better 
But I don't know. We'll see what happens with Verlander. I am loving when Zach Granke's pitching and he's calling out the signs to the opposing hitters. I'm not That's sure so if you've seen that. Oh, it yeah. is, it is hilarious. hilarious. I wish Granke was on a different team because I really like him in particular. I wish that guy was like mic'd up all the time, man. Me too. You know, he's, he's like, hey, put he's down a maniac. two. Catcher, yeah. put down two. This yeah. is what I want to throw. Right. I'm it's letting great. you know I'm going to throw it like this. And you know what? It's kind of funny because – I think somebody won't believe you, so it'll get in your head. With you know, as a hitter, you, somebody right. tells you're just me not that throw two, and then you're thinking about it, second guessing. You know, that must be coded for something else, right? So, uh, yeah, he'd be a great guy to get mic'd up. And you know, uh, all I'll say about the Astros is, you and I both going into the season felt that this was going to be a down year. Uh, I feel bad for Dusty Baker because I really like Dusty Baker. I think he was handed a uh, a job that a mess, I should say that. Um, Somebody of his caliber and and resume, you know, I, it's it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Like he doesn't deserve that on one hand. On the other hand, you kind of want to give it to an experienced skipper. And if anybody's going to be able to navigate through this season, it probably is somebody like a Dusty Baker. So I don't really know what I'm saying, except uh, I feel bad for him. So um, we'll see what he's able to do from here on out. Uh, Gino, Gino, from here on out for the end of our show is just a couple of minutes. So I wanted to uh, quickly make mention of uh, fantasy football. I've gotten several correspondences, private messages, text messages, et cetera, asking what, uh, what's the scoop. So um, simply put, we're going to have our fantasy football season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a couple different leagues and we're going to you and I are going to talk and we'll all see how some of the other leagues that I'm in are going to do things and how some of the other leagues out there are going to do things. And we'll make sure that. If this season, which is different than other seasons, and we we don't know, I mean, we could have two weeks or three weeks and then the season get canceled, we'll make sure that there are built-in contingencies. So if you play and we're putting in money, we're not we're going to refund you if the season doesn't finish. Or if we get to a certain point of the season, we'll figure out who who gets paid out if we if we get past we you know halfway point or three quarter point of the way, whatever it is, we'll we'll figure a way out to do it to where we won't have to feel like we're all going to be in the same boat. If they cancel, nobody's going to get screwed. That, that's that's yeah, just the way maybe, I wanted to make sure everybody knows, you know, because it's going to be – it's hard playing season-long fantasy things right now when we're in such a state of limbo with everything. I just want – all the leagues that I'm in right now when I've been doing the same thing with baseball, it's very similar. If something happens where they don't finish, we don't get to go through playoffs or something, we're, we'll make sure everybody gets refund, everybody gets taken care of because we do these contests for fun. That's why we do them, to have a good time, to have some fun. And I'm really looking forward and, to hey, it. Look, maybe we even put it up to a vote, right? In yeah, terms of, um, you know how we, we typically will split the pools into best record and, and winning the championship versus mm-hmm. best, uh, you know, highest point total. So maybe, maybe we just say, hey, look, if they call off the season or something, maybe 25% of the pool gets paid out to the highest point total. I don't know. We'll sure. think it through. Ex- ex- uh, if you guys have any feedback and, and want to, Reach out to Gino. Reach out to myself with suggestions. Um, you know, feel free. We're going to fill as many leagues as possible. Last year, we didn't expect to have the um, you know support that we did and filled two leagues. So if it's three, if it's four, we're going to have at it. So that's all the time we have, Gino. Let's uh, say our goodbyes until next time. We're going to be joined by Eno Saris next week. So he's awesome always stuff. a uh, great guest to have on. He was on MLB Network earlier today, and he'll be on with us next week. So. Have a tremendous sports weekend, everyone. Please be safe. Please, uh, you know, follow all the rules. You don't need any lectures from us. 
And we will see you same time, same place next weekend. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.